You're listening to the Long Overdue Podcast. On this episode, you have Pat, Don, Chris, and Denise, and we will be talking about problematic authors. Before we start, we want our listeners to know that this episode will have some intense themes and discussions. The authors that we will be discussing have either been accused of or have admitted to wrongdoing, including sexual harassment, assault, racism, and pedophilia. Though we will not get into graphic detail, we will be discussing their actions and their words as well as their works. This episode may be tough to listen to, but we believe that it is an important topic that needs to be discussed. So, I have a list of problematic what? authors. A whole yeah. list? A whole list. And a couple of books. Let me just say I'm going to feed off y'all. <laughs> I think I'm probably going to end up being devil's advocate today. Oh, no. So, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I may agree with you, but I still like to play devil's advocate. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So should we start with some more recent things or older things? Um, maybe some recent things just because they're kind of fresh on people's minds right now. What okay. Do you think? How about that? Yeah, I think recent things are probably immediately relevant. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so on my list of recent things, I've got Joyce Carol Oates, Sherman Alexi, Lemony Snicket, a.k.a. Daniel Handler. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.K. Rowling, Richard Paul Evans, and a couple of books. The Black Witch by Lori Frost got okay. a lot of talk. Okay. Do you guys remember about mm-hmm. Yeah, about I remember that? seeing that and thinking that that was one I'd, I'd want to read. And then I read some of the stuff about it, and I was like, eh, probably not going to waste <laughs> any time on it. Yeah. I mean, I haven't read it, so I don't have like a real, right. or, you know, a real well-formed opinion. But I do remember. Mm-hmm. I know about that. Uh, okay, so for the sake of me, who does not know most of those authors, um, and our listeners who may not know, also, well, details. Yeah, yeah, that's why we're here. <laughs> well, I was just that's going through true. my list. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean. We know Lemony Snicket, right? Daniel Handler. Mm-hmm. So, do we know why he's on my list? I, I think I do. Wasn't he like a real jerk to one of the fans and said some really inappropriate things? Um, he has said some really inappropriate racist things. Oh, that too. Um, and he's also been really inappropriate with females at yeah. conventions. And yeah, so that's forth. what I read about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that... that the, probably this is what you read about. He had said something about another author or another person on the podium, and a fan came up, like a teenage girl uh-huh. or a young woman, yeah. came up to defend her and said, you were wrong, and he then proceeded to say awful things to her mm-hmm. about her. What a jerk. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. Well, and the thing that you said... <laughs> And if this is the same instance that I'm thinking about, the thing he said at the podium was about an African-American writer, and he said some racist things about her. Mm. And then that proceeded to go into more uh, sexual comments toward other people. And he's had a history of doing that at book conventions and things like that, where he's just been kind of... So he sounds like he's just mean. Well, 
when you start making fun of people for their race, that's not just mean. But then he, you said that he he attacked somebody else that went to their defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just sounds like he is like spouting off and just wanting to be mean and say nasty things. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I'm sorry. I can't tell. I can't tell what you mean about that. Is that is that an excusable thing or is that a what a jerk um, thing? What a jerk. Okay. Yeah. He's a jerk. Well, I don't know. So, I think I think people who are um, famous, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those were my air quotes that you couldn't see. <laughs> you all know. I heard it. Uh, I heard it. You heard it. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Uh, tend to think they can get away with more things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so they just do more things, whether they're appropriate or not. Do you think that's because they're famous and somehow that goes to their head or were they always these awful people that suddenly feel like they're just free to do whatever they want now um that's a good question mm-hmm. i think that it might be in their background mm-hmm. um and now they kind of just feel like they're untu- like untouchable because they're yeah. famous and then it comes out that that you know that they're mm-hmm. They become more brazen because mm-hmm. of who they are. Yeah. And they think oh, they yeah. They've got, they've got just a little bit of power or authority. So whatever that is latent, that if they didn't have that, probably mm-hmm. wouldn't show itself in quite such a public way anyway. Mm-hmm. It, it comes out mm-hmm. and they think, it's, they think they're beyond any kind of consequences. I think that's how a lot of these people we're going to talk about today mm-hmm. feel, mm-hmm. that they are at the point in their careers or in you know in public standing that they are untouchables so when they when he said something to that one person and then somebody tries to defend them and he spouts off to them i mean i'm sure that he felt somebody's going to back me up in this industry and i'm going to be fine it'll Mm -hmm. be fine well he is fine that's also one of the big problems Mm -hmm. okay yeah his show has been handled no one's show is still out there Netflix His books, right? Second. He hasn't. And so a couple of awards are can, no longer named after him. Can I just tell you that I've never liked the Lemony Snicket books at all? I think they're they're odd humor mm-hmm. that I, I think they're mean humor. Oh. I think that's that's just who he is. Kind of yeah, yeah, I think that is who he is. That that I mean, they're not. I don't think those children in the in the books, the Baudelaire children, don't mm-hmm. make fun of other people. But there are characters in there who are just awful and uncomfortable. And I've never really gotten the appeal of a series of unfortunate events because mm-hmm. I didn't find them funny. I've read other books that are kind of like that, like the. Um, um, there's a series by an, a British author that's similar to that. It's mm-hmm. about a boy in unfortunate circumstances and, and how he kind of makes his way, but there are all these obstacles. It's one thing after another. But they're funny. They have humor in them, and I've never found that in the series of unfortunate events. So it, it really does make me wonder if that's just who this man is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And 
makes me also wonder what that says about all the people who love his books. I don't know. I liked them. You liked yeah. them? I've never read <laughs> I didn't them. read all of them, but I read quite a few of them. Okay. I've read, I think, like and two or three. I listened to the ones that Tim Curry did. Okay. Because he narrated the first three, I okay. think. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I enjoyed them. Okay. I can't, I can't, you know, definitely. Well, how old were you when you read that? Uh, were you the the appropriate audience? I wasn't age? the audience they were written for. No. I was okay. already an adult when That's I started what I thought. reading them. But, okay. Yeah. I can't defend the man for his, you know, his yeah. actions, but I can defend the stories. I, I didn't okay. have this. I, didn't <laughs> have, I wasn't attacking the stories. I didn't stories. have the I same just, impression on it that did. I don't, did. I don't have... I don't have a problem with him being the jerk he is because I've never liked him, <laughs> never liked his books. So right. I don't care. I'm. I would be glad to see him gone from the public eye. <laughs> and yet he is still there. Yeah. Well. Okay. But there have been others who have suffered a lot more consequences, uh, like Sherman Alexi. So I don't think anybody's pulled any publishing writes from him or anything like that or that his next book probably won't come out mm-hmm. but so name one or two of his books uh the part-time absolutely true, true diary of a part-time part- indian mm-hmm. reservation blues his, yeah reservation blues yeah. uh his newest one is a memoir called you don't have to say you love me which mm-hmm. is about his mom mm-hmm. okay and just the recently. part-time Indian has been on a lot of high school reading lists and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. And so it's... It's won a lot of awards. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the latest one was, did, was to have, I'm not sure this, I don't remember the status, was to have won the Carnegie Medal mm-hmm. for nonfiction. I think it still is officially listed as the winner, but he did not go to pick up his award in person. Right. They had someone else come speak, and they kind of ignored him at the at the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the medal ceremony. Yeah. You know, didn't really talk about him. And I think also some awards that have been named after him have also... Yes, through a university, mm-hmm. or was it... It was. It seems like it was an MFA program at a university somewhere. Mm-hmm. I've got this information here somewhere. Hold on. I mean, you don't have to hold on. But <laughs> so, so what did he do? So Sherman Alexi, um, he his fame is not you know it comes from being this popular author, mm-hmm. but also because he is one of the few Native American representations that we have in literary and publishing. So he is Native American. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, recently came out that he. Um, I don't think any charges have been filed or anything, but that he sexually assaulted a woman, that he made, um, that he's actually harassed at least. There have been like up to 20 women who have said that something was inappropriate in exchanges, whether it was anything physical, whether Mm -hmm. it was comments spoken to them. But it sounds like it was clear that in some situations he was in kind of a mentoring position Mm -hmm. and that he made it clear that they would do better if they did what he wanted them to do Mm -hmm. with him Mm -hmm. rather than just go on their writing Mm -hmm. alone, you know, that, that he would... Yeah, it was basically one of those... Offer to kind of support their careers for them 
if they would reciprocate. Yeah. And then threaten to yeah. ruin their careers if... When they, when they didn't mm. or whatever. Or if, if, they, or if they did and then... Or if they came speak out about and it. said yeah. anything, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of women were afraid about losing their careers because all... Well, I'm not going to say all. Most of them were Native American writers. Right. And so it was already really hard for them to get into the publishing world. And then if you have... And he really would have been the obvious person to mentor them, to help them, Mm -hmm. you know... Yeah, if he went to his publisher and said, here's a manuscript by someone that I've been mentoring, I think you should take a look. They're going to take a look. Yeah. And if he found out that someone that he did not like anymore submitted work to that publisher it would be very easy for him to be like, oh, you don't want to work with her. Mm-hmm. She's difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, well, all right. Sherman so Alexis said one, no. So. Yeah, one of the interesting things I thought about this whole scandal is that it came out in a very unusual place for, for mm-hmm. you know, sexual harassment or sexual abuse scandals. It was in School Library Journal magazine. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was an article about children's publishing Mm-hmm. And this kind of behavior happening mm-hmm. across children's publishing. So I thought that was really interesting that this whole thing just blew up out of a school library mm-hmm. journal article. Yeah. Well, and this article that I'm referring to also says that um, Publishers Weekly recently reported women make up roughly 80% of the book publishing industry. So right, how does that... That they're publishers, that they're editors, that they're agents. It says that they're part of the book publishing industry. So it it mentions later in the article that it's not just men. Right. It's Mm, women, too. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're going to have a higher majority, potentially, of women, I guess, because of 80% Mm -hmm. making up that industry. Right, but when you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and a best-selling author that you represent comes to you and says, you don't want to publish that because that person is awful, difficult to work with, is mm-hmm. not good, you're not going to take their word on that? You're just going to be like, oh, well, let me see if I can find out what's going on. No, you're just going to be like, okay, move on. This person's work is not something that I need to even waste my time if best-selling author over here is telling me that I don't want to waste my time on that, that I shouldn't. Right. I think once it's known that, yes, it becomes a a much different situation. But before that... And vice versa. You know, like, if it's a woman that's your best-selling author coming in and being like, oh, you don't want to... You don't want to publish that. Mm-hmm. That person's is awful, difficult. You, you'll do the same thing. You'll be like, well, I mean, yeah, you've I got a great relationship and you sell tons of books, and I'm going to take your word on that. Right. Male yeah, or female, it doesn't matter who's in charge. Specific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually bring up Anne Rice a lot mm-hmm. in, in that aspect. She, um, Gosh, this was this was quite a while ago, and she has also not lost any career opportunities. But she's just a generally awful person. Just um, someone had posted a negative review on Amazon mm-hmm. on Amazon, 
And she got on Amazon and just went on this rant. And it's just like, um, people aren't going to like your books. Some people are going to buy your books and love your books no matter what. Other people don't like your books. Mm-hmm. But there she is like ranting and raving at this person about how they didn't like their books. And it's an Amazon review. Yeah, it's, it's a, an Amazon It's just review. a person who read the book. It's not like some <laughs> yeah, powerful, yeah. you know, publisher, journalist, reviewer, whatever. And so this turned into this big thing where other people were like, well, I didn't like your book either. <laughs> you know, like it, it is <laughs> escalated terribly. And so then, like, she was like, well, if you didn't like my book, you can return it to me, and I will refund you your money, send it to this address. Oh. She gave an address to a house that she had just moved out of. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, people returned her books to nowhere. They did not so get So, we're back, back to that phrase. What a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Good grief. She's just a jerk. Like, yeah. But, you know, still publishing books, that kind of thing has just been kind of like, oh, you know, Anne Rice, she's just a character. And it's like, meh, she's kind of (laughs) awful. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't, wasn't a nice thing to do. I've always wondered about her, just her career path and choices she's Mm -hmm. made. Like that whole, I mean, she obviously came to fame with the interview with the vampire Mm -hmm. and all the vampire books, and then suddenly made this like 180 to Christian fiction, Mm -hmm. which I don't think sold nearly as well as the vampire things. So suddenly she turned back and, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to write about vampires because that makes me money. And, you know, I I always thought that was the most interesting. And that wouldn't have been so jarring Mm -hmm. if she hadn't publicly said that she is a born-again Christian and she is not doing the vampire stuff ever again because it goes against what she believes in. Right. And then it's just like, oh, I'm not making the kind of money that I like, so I'm going to go back to writing my vampire books. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. I mean... It makes sense that for what, what you're saying that it would have been less of an issue if yeah. she hadn't have publicly stated yeah, her yeah. faith and all that was. She can state her faith all she wants. It's the I'm not going to do this ever again because it goes against right. what I believe. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, she can be like, oh, I'm I'm a Christian. Oh, well, great. Mm-hmm. You know, thumbs so up, Stephanie Meyer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like that. That's not the issue. The issue is that she's yeah. like, oh yeah, I'm not going to do that because of these reasons, and then. It's just obviously a money grab. Mm-hmm. Well, because, I mean, I'm sorry to say, but we're all in it to make money. We all need to live. Right. And we would all like more money than we have. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. So. <laughs> Nobody's arguing with you there. Right. That's for sure. So I don't think, I mean, if she hadn't have said that, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have. Yeah. It would It would have just been like, you know, it. oh, well, she went back to her vampire books, you know. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. And the books that she was writing in the Christian fiction mm-hmm. were more like retellings of Jesus and the apostles and stuff like that. Mm. So that's right. So that's it, right. it wasn't just that. like, oh, I'm going to write Christian fiction. Yeah. It's I'm going to write a fictionalized account of this person's life. And, who's and there's a market where those sell really yeah. well, but it's not Anne Rice's market. Mm-hmm. 
that right. she had already built up. I yeah. think people who knew her and loved her vampire books may have tried those and said, mm-hmm. oh, this is not for me. This is not yeah. what I want. And people who knew about her with vampires but didn't want that were a little skittish about even mm-hmm. trying it because mm-hmm. of the reputation she already had for what she wrote. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Anybody else got anything? Is this all me? About yep. Anne Rice? Or about, about anything. anything. <laughs> so I, I got something that, that I just found, and I had not realized this, but I should have because I knew about a couple of these situations. But it's it was an article that came up in, I think this is the New York Times or somewhere, and it was about publishers choosing not to publish books now and inciting the morality clauses in their contracts. Have those morality clauses always been? Yes, they have always been there. That language, moral turpitude. I actually, when I had a very short career as a teacher in public schools, and in that, in the contract was the language, you know, you may be dismissed, terminated Mm -hmm. immediately, whatever, for moral turpitude. And I had to go look that up, you know, (laughs) you know, in context, you sort of know what that is, but I thought, well, that's an interesting word I've never, uh-huh. ever heard before. They actually put the definition in the contracts now. Oh, really? <laughs> so, <laughs> you so you don't even have that to means. go look at it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's yes. funny. But it, apparently it is has traditionally been in the contracts, but nobody used them. Mm-hmm. And and obviously they're not they're not using them in the same context or for the same set of circumstances that they used to. You know, used to moral turpitude could mean you got divorced. It could be you had a child at, without being married. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things. And but the there are five authors that are in this this article, and it's it's Sherman Alexie, Bill O'Reilly, Milo Yiannopoulos, Jay Asher, and James Dashner, who all have sexual harassment charges mm-hmm. against them of one kind or another. Hmm. And so they had book deals canceled. Mm-hmm. So, it, and every one of those publishers cited that moral turpitude clause that probably hadn't been used in 30 years, mm-hmm. maybe 40. So here's what I think mm-hmm. about that. I think it goes back to money. The mm-hmm. publisher's not going to make any money, they, or they're going to lose money, because if they endorse this person, yeah. then people aren't going to read the other books or, mm-hmm. or purchase the other books. Mm-hmm. So it's all about money. Yeah. Is it really about what that person did or did not do? I don't know. Nah. Because the, I don't think it is. I think yeah. you're right. I think you're absolutely right. It's all about the money. It's all. It's all the same thing about Lance Armstrong and the, <clears throat> you know all the stuff that he did, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, oh, I'm pulling all of the um, mm-hmm. the endorsement deals from you, mm-hmm. and it's everybody just, threw away those yellow bracelets, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's all about the money. So you know, it was kind of interesting. There was something I read about the Sherman Alexie thing. There were some people in the publishing industry that supposedly had heard these allegations a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long ago that means, six months, six years, right. longer. Mm-hmm. But I read two or three different things where once this all came out, then these people made the decision, oh, I own an independent bookstore. I'm not going to sell his new book anymore. Even though you've known about this for mm-hmm. however long, 
once it comes out, you're not gonna you're not gonna sell that book anymore. That says to me, <laughs> this is not about your principles mm-hmm. about this person and what a bad person he may be. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna sell their book. It's about oh, now people are gonna look at me like I'm endorsing him. So now I'm not gonna sell his book. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we all do bad things. Well, uh, that's true. You know, none of us are without sin. So sin. Right in. <laughs> now you're serious, Don. <laughs> so when you look at somebody, I mean, it doesn't, I don't know if it necessarily discounts their work. And I've been thinking of the whole Bill Cosby thing. Mm-hmm. Because I do not agree with the stuff that he did. Let me just say that. And <laughs> any of these people, I do not excuse their behavior. But that does not discount the fact that a lot of parents got information from him that helped them to be a better parent Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you can't discount the good that he may have done because of the bad that he did i'm not saying that the bad needs to be ignored but will we pull his books out of our library will we stop publishing his books will we stop doing all that stuff because even though it may do good we don't like him because he did this but the information in the book is good you know what I'm saying? I guess that's really the core of this discussion. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All these absolutely. authors, like, you know, I didn't know Sherman and Lexi had a, an issue. Oh. I, I like Sherman and Lexi. I thought his writing was great and, you know, relevant. Mm-hmm. I studied him in school yeah. in American literature and yeah. stuff. But I didn't know that. And now I'm like... So I guess... I'm, do, I'm doing like a, an exasperated hand gesture. <laughs> this is not on video. Throwing his hands up in frustration. So, well, I think, Don, in kind of in response to what you're saying, I don't think we're going to pull Bill Cosby's books off the shelves. But I think just in the natural order of how libraries work, not very many people are going to check out his books now. Right. And, and so it won't be very long before we're going to pull them off the shelf because nobody's reading them anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. He's not publishing anymore because nobody uh-huh. will touch him with a 30-foot pole. Right. So I don't think we're going to have that issue much longer to even think about with him, that kind of situation. Right. But I think somebody like Sherman Alexi, who is on you know, mm-hmm. high school reading lists, I think that's a little different issue right. of where right. that's going to go. I don't think it needs to be on a high school reading list. But I don't know if we need to pull it out of our library. Do we pull Maze Runner out of our library? No, Do we go we through and we pull all those books from those people who wrote those books? I think That's it's the difference between offering it and highlighting and recommending it. Mm-hmm. And and I would feel when if I were to recommend a book to someone or if I were to put it on a best of list or you know something like that, nominate it for an award... I would feel like I was recommending both that work and that person. Mm-hmm. I would feel like I was supporting that person. So the author, and I don't well. think okay. I would do that for for some these people that that have been called out with allegations, and and that's that gets hard too because allegations are allegations. Mm-hmm. At what point are they proven to be true? And you know, when there's twenty people saying independently. This happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. You kind of get the idea that, yeah, more than likely this happened. Well, mm-hmm. and when they have receipts, 
when they have emails where well, he's sending them emails right and right and you know and don't talk that, about what happened that's a whole different thing too that that we've never had to deal with this was one of the things that was funny in the moral turpitude article that i read it was talking about so how far do you go with this obviously you pull a book that somebody wrote about investing if they're convicted of insider trading right yeah but if you've got somebody who publishes a book about a fish only diet and then somebody snapchats them eating at steak and shake do you pull that book or do you just say ha 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 and you go on you know where's the line of what's moral turpitude and what's not and so you know all these issues we're talking Mm -hmm. about it's not just the me too movement it's not just sexual harassment or sexual abuse Mm -hmm. those kinds of things it's a lot of things Mm -hmm. so it's it's hard. I think it's ultimately hard to know. it comes down to a personal choice. Well, sure. Like, um, Joyce Carol Oates. So tell us about Joyce Carol Oates I because I just vaguely know who she is. Joyce you know, Carol I mean, I know she's, she's famous. She's prolific. Famous. She's got tons of books. Right. I'll never be able to read all of her books in my wow. entire lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm. I was a huge fan huge when i met her i cried and told her how important she was to me wow like i was a huge fan and just recently by recently i mean like some months ago but still fairly recent um it came out that she was quite racist and there was a lot of statements that she made that were quite racist Mm. and when brought to her attention she just made more racist statements about her racist statements Wow. Hmm. And I'm I'm done. I'm done with Joyce Carol Oates. It doesn't matter how important she was to me in the past. Mm-hmm. I can't look at her work and be mm-hmm. like, this means the same thing to me. Because it doesn't. It's a whole new filter. Yeah. 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 So it comes down to a personal choice. I will never give any of my money to Joyce Carol Oates ever again. And I can understand that because mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, my $20 isn't going to yeah. mean a lot to her, mm-hmm. but it's going to mean something to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'll, but I will say when Joyce Carol Oates publishes a book, public libraries are expected to have it. Mm-hmm. She is that big a figure mm-hmm. that we very likely will continue to buy her books for the library. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we've made the choice to support her in her racist comments. It means that we have people who may know nothing about that, Mm -hmm. love her books, and expect Mm -hmm. to find them at their public library because Mm -hmm. they pay taxes. Or can somehow separate that. Yeah. I cannot. (laughs) But Mm. but I think the reason that I cannot was Mm. because how important she was to me before. Yeah, I can yeah. see I think that. That's why I can't be like, oh, well, I can still read this and just just see the art in it. No, I cannot. So, oh, one of the other things I saw that that kind of came out a little later, I think, was um, David Diaz, the children's book illustrator. He's won a Caldecott Medal mm-hmm. for Smoky Night, which is a book about the. Um, Los Angeles riots back in the 80s, mid-90s, somewhere in there. Um, 
you know, well-received book, brilliant artwork. He's probably illustrated 30 children's picture books. And when sexual harassment allegations came out about him, um, the publisher of the book that was just about to come out that he had illustrated pulled it, hired another illustrator to do a whole new set of illustrations mm-hmm. for it. And that's just, I think it's just coming out now. But the author who had written the story, of course, was thrilled to have Caldecott Medal mm-hmm. winner David Diaz illustrating her book. And now he's not. But the publisher decided that First of all, they didn't want to support him, but second of all, they didn't want to distract from her book right. by having him and his controversy in yeah. the middle of the publishing of the book. So I thought that was just an interesting an interesting turn of events mm-hmm. there. Well, and I think that that kind of takes um, the censorship out of the librarian's hands mm-hmm. because it's it's happening at a different level. And... So we don't have to deal with it as much. Mm-hmm. But is that okay? Well, we can only we can only do what we're doing, you know. Which part's out is there? Okay, that he lost. Is it okay that? for the publishers to be the censors? They're the ones with the money. They had that power. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, they're right. the money talks, and it's their product. Mm-hmm. It comes down to that. It's yeah, what they're producing. And if they don't want his name attached, then they get someone else. It's like digitally removing Kevin Spacey from a movie. Right. So bizarre. What? But, uh. <laughs> but they did. They sure did. So what Technology. happened? Okay, that's probably another podcast. <laughs> anyway, Kevin Spacey's not an author. But it's like, you know. That's the one where he re- was replaced by Christopher Plummer, uh-huh. who then won the Academy Award. That's right. Right. Okay. <laughs> yep. That's the one. Hmm. Okay. And I am all for, you know, if you're going to do that kind of thing, if you're going to sexually harass or assault anybody, mm-hmm. you know what? You don't get to make money. I'm okay with that. I am A-okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I kind of wonder about what, as a culture, we might be missing out on by their work. So here's something I've been thinking about that, about related, kind of related to that. Mm-hmm. Part of it is we talked about um, Sherman Alexie, you know, most famous book, being on these required mm-hmm. reading lists as, as a representative work of mm-hmm. Native American literature. Mm-hmm. What else is out there that we could put in that spot? And I think that's really where we as professionals have to think about mm-hmm. what we're doing mm-hmm. is, is this the only example of this kind of literature that we can offer? And if it is, that's what we've got. Mm-hmm. We've got to use it because we're not going to just leave these giant gaps in what we're offering people. Mm-hmm. But if there's something else out there equally good with a person who has no controversy attached that won't distract from the product, mm-hmm. then I think it's perfectly good to to find another thing, an mm-hmm. alternative. 
So, but think about it in this respect too. Say this Sherman Alexi book gets on the the YA list for high schools, whatever. Mm-hmm. So the teachers are using it as a teaching tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't they use it as a teaching tool on the other spa- uh, aspect as far as the author and who he is and what he did and you know that's a really interesting question because a lot of times we have uh, materials challenges because there's a negative portrayal of something mm-hmm. which is negative mm-hmm. and sometimes I think it's it's more difficult to make the case that you can use something as a negative example and have a positive come out of it than use a positive example and have a positive come out of it right. so yes absolutely they could mm-hmm. But it kind of seems like if you're if you're having ev- you know if your school is buying fifty copies now mm-hmm, of right. this book, mm-hmm. I don't know how many pennies of that are going to the author, but there's a few for mm-hmm. every copy, right? And so you know, in that way, you are still supporting that person. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness we're all flawed human beings, mm-hmm. but. To hold up somebody who has done egregious things, continuous, you know, constantly, mm-hmm. continually, over a long period of time, and and is only apologizing for it because they got caught and outed, right? Then it makes sense to me to look around and see if there are other choices that we can make. And I find it hard to believe that there aren't. Mm-hmm. Native American authors out there that just haven't gotten their foot through the publishing door. Yeah. And this comes down to a lot of lack of diversity mm-hmm. in what is published. Mm-hmm. And what we can hope happens out of this is that those doors will now open for other Native mm-hmm. American authors or, you know, any other other cultures as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. But what I hope doesn't happen is oh my goodness, we have such trouble with these Native American authors. Let's not use that. Let's not read mm-hmm. those manuscripts. I, I hope that the publishing industry is open-minded about this rather than closed-minded about this, is not using stereotypes or mm-hmm. you know whatever to say, oh my goodness, we had this bad experience with this person. I'm not ever reading a manuscript by anyone anywhere like him. Yeah, I, I would hope that doesn't happen. But well, I think it's on some possible. level, <laughs> yeah, I think on some level something like that already does happen when it comes yeah. to diverse books. Yeah. It's like, oh, we published this book by this Latino woman; it didn't sell. So right. obviously, Latino books are—we're just not going to do that. There's no possibility that that was just not a good book. Yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah. <that> right. Because <laughs> that so, person is obviously representative of their entire of culture, everybody. and. Well, who read the book to approve it for them to publish right. it anyway? Right. Well, you know, a lot of garbage books get published. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they everybody's do. trying to make money. <laughs> We're back to that again. <laughs> but you would think with that in mind that they wouldn't publish garbage books. <laughs> I was like, I want this to sell. Sell. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but they Fifty shirts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they think it's good. I don't know. Or anyway. it's marketable anyway. Marketable. Yeah. Marketable and good are that's, not necessarily yeah, the same thing. Yes, that is very true. But for for 
a niche market for, I guess, an own voices author, mm-hmm. it's a harder sell. Yeah. It just is. So mm-hmm. getting it out there and making it, making it um, lucrative mm-hmm. is harder. It's a tougher marketing campaign. It's, a, it's just harder to do. We've got to make sure they're going to be willing to do it. Those people. <laughs> One of the things. Well, and go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, I think that change is coming. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more diverse authors are getting published. I think as a society, as consumers, mm-hmm. that's something that we're looking for. And I think it's going to happen. You can't yeah. just deal with 90% Caucasian books and expect everybody to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. I think for a long time, we were seeing in the publishing market in the United States, these megalith companies that were just all about the James Patterson, mm-hmm. you know, the, the person who is going to sell multi, multi-million copies. Mm-hmm. But what started to happen is we still have just those few giant publishing houses, but within them, they've decided that we can have this little boutique press over here that has this, mm-hmm. and we can have this other little part over here that publishes this kind of book. And, and so they've decided that even within their monoliths, they can have these little these little sections that mm-hmm. can do something a little more, um, a little less mass market publishing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been a result of the successes that self-publishing has made. Mm-hmm. Because self-publishing was just set, just really, I think, not just the technology, but I think it really was a reaction to these monolithic mm-hmm. publishing houses that said, oh, we're only going to publish you if you will, if we know you can sell 16 million right. books. Well, how many people can sell 16 million copies of a book, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think we're, we're seeing the results of the self-publishing industry in the mainstream publishing industry that, that is being a little bit more open to to those different kinds of authors mm-hmm. that aren't the mega bestsellers. It's enough preaching about that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sorry. No, it's fine. I think with a lot of success that some books have reached recently, I think that's going to usher in the change. Like mm-hmm. the hate you give. Oh, yeah. And... Well, and thank goodness people are challenging it because that means more copies get sold and more people read it. Yes. They want to know what's going so on. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and I hate to say it, but it, that conversation earlier about the lemony snicket stuff—I've never read them, but it kind of makes me want to go and read them because you mm. didn't really care for them mm-hmm. and you really liked them, and so it's like, well, hmm. I wonder what I would think about those books. That's true. Controversy always attracts. Yeah. Attention. Mm-hmm. And then people want to read it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's good good attention or bad. Right. It just it gets people right. interested and then and people it, it's read kind it. of a yeah, they sell more mm-hmm. for a time period. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are there any other authors on there we haven't talked about? I know there are. Uh Marion Zimmer Bradley. Richard oh, Paul Evans, J.K. Rowling. 
Okay, let's talk about J.K. Rowling. Because okay. I read a little bit after we talked this morning. Yeah. So, you okay. go ahead. You you start. So, J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. This was when, I don't remember what the American Hogwarts was called. because Ever something. I, I was reading it this morning. Oh, Ivor. I should know this. Something more. Ivermore. Ivermore. <laughs> no, that's. Ill, it's I-L, I don't know. Anyway, in her Potter World website, whatever that's called. Ilvermorny. There you go. Ilvermorny. So when she started that whole nonsense. um, To make money, by the way. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, everything J.K. Rowling does now is to make money. (laughs) Well, I don't blame her. She had a tough life before Harry Potter came Uh along. And, and now that she's got multi-billions, she needs more so she can roll around in her money. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> What's your point? I have gotten off my path here. <laughs> if she sent you some, would you feel differently? <laughs> if she sent me some of her ill-gotten gold? Yes. <laughs> I would go spend it. I would take it. Yeah. I would go donate it to a charity. Oh, interesting. So, huh. <laughs> All of it? All of it. I wouldn't want it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll donate it to the charity of Pat. <laughs> hey, wait, I want in on that. J.K. Rowling, if you're listening to this, send us money. <laughs> you know what will happen to it. You could donate it at least to the library. It'll go to a good cause. <laughs> yeah. right. hmm. So anyway, when she started all that nonsense, mm-hmm. she did her own little American Hogwartsy school mm-hmm. and started talking about the magical creatures and such of her new little school and setting and decided that she was going to make Native Americans just be magical beings that aren't like people or anything and just kind of encompass the entire... Mm, seeing how Native Americans have multicultures, like it's... right. She just kind of like lumped all that together and was like, and this is my, these are my magical uh, entities and creatures that do things. Okay, so here's my thought. It's a fiction book. It's a fiction website. <laughs> right. even, okay, so it's not even a book. It's a website. Yeah. It, but it's fiction. It's not even based on reality. I mean, like Harry Potter is not real. Sorry to tell y'all. <laughs> so, I mean, that kind of stuff, I think, is, like, over the top, picky. Over the top picky? Yeah. Someone takes your culture and tells you that you're not real. And I'm Native American. It's a fiction book. You can write whatever you want, right? I don't know. I, I didn't find offense to it. My... My first reaction to that, this is the first I've heard of that, because I, I didn't think about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I've never read anything specifically about this, mm-hmm. and I've seen the first movie, are there two? Mm-hmm. I, I think you're thinking know. about Fantastical Beasts, Yeah, this is but, a separate. But, but this is in there, it shows up, I think, in that movie. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's not a big part, but I think there's something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up, too. I don't know. <laughs> so maybe this is the first I've ever even been exposed to it. But my first thought is, oh, this stupid woman is British, and she has no idea what Native Americans are. 
But then she didn't bother to find out and mm-hmm. see if there was a way to say this kind of Native American has this ritual or this belief or and this whatever instead of just making up stuff because yeah. because all the rest of the stuff that she's made up is based on legend and myth, not on actual... Oh, man, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. All right. It's based on... Well, okay. <laughs> I was going to say it's based on traditions of magical creatures or such things mm-hmm. that are part of, that were never real to begin with, which is different from this. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm saying those words out loud, the words I used were it's based on legend and myth, which all have their basis in fact, mm-hmm. in actual cultures that existed. However, much of that is what we would call actual historical fact-based mm-hmm. or not, they're still based in actual cultures that existed. So maybe she's been doing this all along, and this is just the first time she's been blatant about it in using cultures that still exist mm-hmm. rather than just that once existed. Well, wow. I, I, would I be correct in saying that most of our other stuff, like in the, the, like the core series, mm-hmm. things like that is... Is European based mythology. And yes. Things like things that she has a closer proximity Right, that she, to. Know, that she grew up with, right. that she has. Mm-hmm. I, I think she studied some of those. I, yeah, she she knows a lot about those So that's things. one thing to. Yeah. But right. when, you're, when it's something that's completely, you know, unknown that you're right. not familiar with at all. Right. And, and then you're just like, oh, that sounds cool. I mean, I'm going to. I'll do what I want with that. I'm going to do what I want. Isn't this a fantasy book, though? Yeah. So can't you just make up what you want to make up? Well, well you, but why does it have to be based on people that exist that you don't actually want to do research about? And then when those people get upset, you say, I don't want to listen to this. So I'm blocking you. Okay. Now that's not necessarily right. right. I mean, she should at least well, so tell us about that because we don't know about that. What? I think I just. Did. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, people called her this, out on okay. it, and tell it, and she seemed, you know, <laughs> more specific. I mean, that's a very general thing. So that, tell me that. Tell us what like happened. Native Americans and Children's Literature Organization. That okay. People in different tribes okay. were like, "This is not good. This and is cultural appropriation, yeah, and, and you've taken bits and pieces from us and them and them and them and." and pfft, yeah, and did no research whatsoever. And then instead of making any kind of effort, because again, this is a website that she could easily go and change, that she could just be like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Let, mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. And what, what, where were you mm-hmm. upset? Mm-hmm. And let's see what mm-hmm. I can do here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or... Heck, let me just read up a little bit more and do some <laughs> research on this and change it. Yeah. Instead, she goes, nope, blocking you. Nope. Mm-mm. I'm not talking about this. But part of the thing that, that I read, too, is that she wrote it from more of a colonist point of view. Oh, well, no, that's different because that would make it exactly right. 
<laughs> cultural appropriation is, is just what the colonists did here. See? So when it's like, so if, if it was okay. written from that perspective, it'd be like this yeah, is what the it, British saw when they colonized and they just right. saw a whole bunch of people that were all pretty much just the same thing. And hmm. well, Is that what you're saying? Man, so much better. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's but, way better. <laughs> do, what would you say where she goes after that? If she then says, oh, man, wait a minute. We were messed up, you know, or we learned something, or we found out this isn't all just one thing, or, you know, wherever she goes from there. But, you know. But that kind of goes back to, like, the, um, the British education. What, what were they taught about colonizing America mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the Indians? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's prolific in their education system of what all the children are learning, mm-hmm. we don't know. It's probably just Pocahontas. <gasps> I'd probably put money down on that. <laughs> oh, that could be. Heck yeah. But I do agree or, that. Yeah. Any any Disney and. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do agree that she should have been more open to looking into what she said and how she offended mm-hmm. somebody and trying to fix it. But. So can we get off? Well, this may not. It, yeah. It's still on topic. Okay. <laughs> Second Fantastic Beast movie, and the casting of Johnny Depp as uh-huh. Gell Gringle, Gringlewald. Gell, I don't remember. But he was in the first movie, but had a very small part. Mm-hmm. But it's a much larger part in the second movie. He's the villain. Mm-hmm. And this was about the time, as they, as they started filming, I think, was about the time that the whole blow up with Amber Heard and, mm-hmm. and domestic violence was happening. And people called for her to ask that he be taken out of that movie and be recast, that part be recast. And she said, no, he's, he's good. Johnny and I had a talk, and he's fine. <laughs> no, like seriously. Yeah, in yeah her statement, I know. I she was just said, like, yeah, she said that. So, yeah. Is that the same kind of thing? I mean, it, she always before that, struck like when she like when she had that little comment about you know completely outside the books and the canon um to say that oh yeah Dumbledore was gay and and I thought well she's kind of open listen to that um and then she starts doing these things like this is not what I expected from the person I thought I knew you to be Mm -hmm. that that you would do this to me, so whenever know. she suddenly comes up with a revelation about her canon, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you guys cannot see me, but I wish you could. It's that <laughs> big eye roll. Uh, mm-hmm. And the head shake. And, and the head wrong. shake and yeah. everything. <laughs> whenever she comes up with some big revelation about her canon, it is always, and I can't say the word that I want to say, but... It is always just, look, look, I'm being inclusive. I'm not actually doing any work to be (laughs) inclusive here. Hermione totally could have been black. I mean, if you just read it in a certain way, she totally could be. Although, Although, I'm the person who who said, yeah, that's great casting uh to have them all white. But suddenly, suddenly I'm just going to say Dumbledore's gay because I'm totally cool and i'm so diverse and i'm mm-hmm. so accepting but hey we're doing this movie mm-hmm. where we could actually kind of explore that but i don't want to because mm-hmm. he is just not really the work that i want to do 
Hmm. To me, it's very much a, look, everybody still love me. Please, please love me. And then when it well, turns out that you're that whole Robert Galbraith thing. <laughs> Good grief. Well, and I guess she was desperate. When she published under Robert Galbraith and decided she should write adult fiction. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's sold tons of copies just because people know that's her. The, but the cuckoo's calling and. They're turning that into a series. Huh? They're turning that into a series. I know. All of those books. I'm not happy. I, I thought it was them. boring. Anyway. Um. And again, so, so she writes under the yeah. pseudonym, and then it's and like, says, oh, oh, hey, everybody, that's me. So why did you write under a pseudonym? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. J.K. Rowling, if you would like me to stop talking about you, send me money. <laughs> yeah, because then she'll give it to me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. And maybe Chris and I will be in on it. <laughs> I'll pet. I dislike her. What? Uh, yes. Really? You couldn't tell. I had no idea. So much. So I much. Can't, can't even. Yeah. Okay, was, so you don't like her. Do you like Harry Potter's the books? Mm-mm. She never liked no. Harry Potter anyway. Okay. I was talking to Pat about this earlier mm-hmm. that I know a lot about Harry Potter because I have a lot of friends that are very big fans of Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was never my kind of thing. So Okay. I've sat there. It's too happy. Probably. <laughs> It's too long and verbose <laughs> and like so much empty, pointless description. You know? And <laughs> Sorry. Now we're tearing apart the writing itself. That's not what this, this episode is about. Let's compare you know Harry what? Potter with Aragon. It, Although she was a grown up and he was not. I'll, I'll give you that. But I was about to say, wasn't he like 16? <laughs> yes. And a, and a student, an ex- exceptional student who used every multisyllabic word he knew in that book. When you're 16 and you know those words, that's what you do. And had you know connections what? with Michael Crichton from what I understand. Fill it in with all those words and man alive. This is, this is why, this is when you know that an editor is a valuable commodity. <laughs> Because yeah. a good editor would have stripped that thing down to about a third the length mm-hmm. because they would have put in words that people understand. And Would a good editor have also said something about the cut and paste plot from Star Wars? Probably, Probably not. not. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that would have been a big sell. Yeah. Selling point right there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you mean, Chris. <laughs> so I'm going to say that I felt... N- not one way or another about J.K. Rowling until she started being an awful person. Yeah. Mm. And then I'm just like, oh, this is all I got. This is all I got. Okay. She could have been a better person, and she, she was not. been a better person. And when offered the opportunity so, to be a better person, she was not. Thinking devil's advocate here. Okay. Okay, tell me about her background again. What was the... Here's what I know. She was a single mom on welfare who did something with her child every day and then spent her days in a coffee shop writing Harry Potter. Okay, so before she started writing Harry Potter, yeah. she was down on her luck. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and, and, just- and she has donated to charities big time, big time, because mm-hmm. as far as I know, still to this day, all of the royalties for... Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and that other book, Quidditch Through the Ages, 
all of that goes to a charitable organization. All of those royalties go to charity. Okay. So she wrote those for fun because mm-hmm. people would want them in saying that all of that money went to charity and it goes directly to them. So, so I guess so not, she's not completely right. Not a one hundred percent awful. Just <laughs> it's, it's it's more money for me, more money for me, more money for me. But she's clearly done some things that are kind of about more money for her. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I'm not going to discount the money because <laughs> I believe that's true. And she's got plenty. But it sounds like self esteem issue, kind of with some of the things that she's doing, like. Like, look at me. Oh, yeah, yeah. What you were saying. I wrote, under a, I wrote under a pseudonym. Yeah. But, and but I want Johnny Depp to be in one of my movies for my book. You, you know, some yeah. things that draw attention yeah. to her. I don't know. I'm wondering if she suddenly came out with, I'm writing these books under the pseudonym because they weren't selling well. I kind of think that's what that was. So we go back to the money. Right. Boy, people think these are stinko books. What if I told them it was me? Mm-hmm. And then they would sell. And then they and did then my sell. publisher would be happy with me, and then they would publish more of my stinko books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Which it they did. did. They did. It is now Here it is. going to be a TV series, which is just going to make her more money. Yep. So it wasn't just her wanting the money. It was her publisher well, wanting sure. the money. Well, sure. It's a it's, it's a, it's a the rest of this conversation today. <laughs> yeah. Those publishers, they're all about the money. Right. <laughs> yes, Shouldn't they are. Shouldn't we get uh, Megan Trainer to sing a song about that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I don't have any idea what you're talking about, so that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. All right. I know what you're talking about. I I figured somebody else in the room did because y'all laughed. So. <laughs> I, I got nothing. You got anything to say over there? The only thing I have. You've been so quiet. Well. And I don't like it. I'm just, like, I don't know. Maybe I have just minimal investment in so many things. Because I'm like, I'm like, oh, that author is like that? Okay, whatever. I just won't read it together again. Not like that I was probably going to anyway. I already read it. I don't need to read it again. Yeah. And, and you know, and was I ever going to recommend it? I'm probably not. I'm, I just feel like I have minimal investment. But that said... Uh-huh. One thing we haven't talked about is mm-hmm. the is like the some of the the classic authors uh-huh. that that of course I think that some of them they they it, mm-hmm. a lot of times people give them a free pass because of the time period they came mm-hmm. from but that doesn't necessarily I mean that doesn't make it any less awful mm-hmm. like that they um, of course you know H P Lovecraft is one of the ones that came up in mm-hmm. our discussion earlier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Denise, because you were actually rereading that mm-hmm. for a while, and you didn't even, like, go back and look up any of the history. You were just reading no, it and could tell just from the... Just from reading it. Just reading the the, the yep. fiction itself that, oh, my gosh, this was really racist <laughs> because all the bad guys and everything... Oh, yeah, yeah. Every always... time. Every time. There's a bad guy. Guess what color they were. And so, yeah, a lot of people love Lovecraft. <laughs> Love Lovecraft. Yeah, he's he's got a whole name. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, he's got a you know, and the and his fiction is uh, ubiquitous because it's pretty much like fair game for anybody to 
based their fiction on. Like, I think when he wrote it, that was mm-hmm. his intention is like, I'm going to create this mythos and, you know, anybody can do whatever they want with it. So you see it in all kinds of things, comic books and, mm-hmm. and other works of fictions and, and movies and video games and tabletop games. And really? it's like, yeah, it's just, it's cool. everywhere. This, this mythos that he created about these ancient ones and, and, you know, whatever, all that stuff. It's not very nice at all. So, see, and, and you can see it in the writing. Yes. Mm-hmm. See, now that's that's where it's different. Like, because yeah. in some you read the the writing and you you know it's just right. But in that, it's very obvious that he had certain inclinations about yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would probably if I went back and read those, I'd probably be the same way. I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about crazy. It's awful. It's awful. And uh, <laughs> and of course, um, and of course, there's Ernest Hemingway, who we talked about. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about Ernest Hemingway. Tell us about Ernest Hemingway. Yeah, I about, hate Ernest Hemingway. About him being misogynistic and anti-Semitic. <laughs> Fits right in with what I thought after reading one of his books. I oh, mean, really? I Maybe I didn't read the right books. <laughs> <laughs> The only, I've, I've read I've read a farewell to arms and for whom the bell tolls, and like to me the when I read those the running theme about those was like it was you know war and like mm-hmm. a commentary on war and kind of a stark perspective on it and almost to the point of being like an anti-war type writing. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I th- I think that you know there's merit to it, but I don't know which books you read that. You got I that. don't have any idea. I just know you don't that remember. <laughs> I didn't enjoy them. And when I found out what kind of person he was, I thought, yeah, that fits with what I read. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. this was obviously a sad, pathetic, depressed person mm-hmm. who wrote this sad, pathetic, depressing book. He's not my favorite. It's the kind of stuff that, that Pat doesn't like to read anyway. So. Right. Right. So it was <laughs> never going to be on my top, the top of my list. And yet we herald him as this great American author that we continue to publish and continue to recommend and mm-hmm. continue to teach. And it is clearly, you know, it's the same thing with Lovecraft. You can read his work and you can <laughs> see it and you can mm-hmm. clearly see what he's talking about. And yet we're like, great American author. Everybody needs to read Hemingway. You do not need to read Hemingway, people. I wouldn't say that everybody <laughs> needs to read Hemingway. No one needs. It's kind of like saying everybody needs to read Moby Dick. Nobody I, needs say, to I don't do think that. everybody can read Hemingway. I mean, I don't sure. think that it's. I mean, it, to read it and really, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's one of those things that you have to like really think about. Yeah, when you got to be prepared to. Yeah, really yeah get exactly. In there. You have and to prepare. Be prepared to read a paragraph that is an entire sentence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, <laughs> comprehend what it's trying to tell you. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry, but I'll I'll still read Hemingway. I'll still think that right he's ahead. a jerk. You know, but I'll let you. Because there's like I, <laughs> there's some that I still want to read, like The Old Man in the Sea, and you know stuff like that. So so, but go ahead. It. I will. I will be the first to admit that I do not enjoy reading depressing things. So. One of the first things I learned about Ernest Hemingway was that he died by suicide. Mm-hmm. So clearly, he was a, a 
a depressed person, an ill person. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to read anything by him just Mm -hmm. after that fact. Mm -hmm. That's all I needed to know to tell me that I didn't want to read his books. Unless I had learned that he wasn't like that all his life, but he was. Mm -hmm. He, He dealt with these issues his entire life. So, I mean, I've read a fictionalized version that tra- that sticks pretty close to, to reality, but, you know, it's fictionalized as far as dialogue and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, um, about his relationship with his first wife and how they met and got married and through their married life and, and kind of the end of their marriage. And she's she was fascinating, and it was kind of told from her point of view. So I loved that book. It, it's probably not my top of my list or anything either but I enjoyed the book but I enjoyed it because I I learned about her mm-hmm. not about him because everything I learned about him just was oh yeah that's him mm-hmm. yeah that's what I knew about him okay yeah that's him so I don't know I I had that trouble with movies too if I know something about someone an actor that bothers me about them mm-hmm then that colors how I see their performance on the screen, regardless of whether that movie has anything to do with whatever it is I know about that person. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's probably because I'm a hugely judgmental person. But That's okay, so am I. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. More revelations of me that you could not have figured out by listening to this podcast. (laughs) Look at all the things that you learn. You learn that Pat doesn't like depressing things and can be judgmental and revelations. I'm sure that y'all never knew that. Before. Yeah, no never. Kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Never knew. Huh. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um. What about old beloved Dr. Seuss? Oh my goodness gracious! Because he, some of his early cartoons, like he did some advertisements for like a bug spray or something yeah. like that. that yeah. Were like oh, it was like super stereotyped African. Characters. Oh yeah. And those show and up in, in some of his early books, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, too. They're yeah. in there. Yeah. But then I've, this is the meme that's been going around lately is one of his um, anti-Nazi propaganda yes. posters, which is, which is spot on for what's going on mm-hmm. now and for, you know, 1941 and all that. Yeah. And you think, wow, this man was a genius. Too bad he had this narrow view mm-hmm. of of the world and other cultures. Yep. So. Well, and then later uh, he wrote cartoons that were, yeah, counter to, like he wrote, he saw, I read this cartoon where it's like Uncle Sam and he's got this thing and he's like blowing racial prejudice out of like this mm, guy's mm-hmm. head or whatever, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. And and so I was like, was he just writing for the time period and, and the, you know, whatever was going on at the time mm-hmm. or what? And well, that is I- <laughs> to say that I think people can change and their outlooks on things can well, that, change yeah, that's true. as they grow, as they're exposed to new things. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what happened with him. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. I go back to Don's theory that it's about, <laughs> about the money. About the money, yeah. <laughs> I think he took money to draw whatever and just took money to draw whatever. Honestly, I'm not real upset either way because on the record, I never was a huge fan of Dr. Seuss, mm. and I always thought he was kind of overrated 
And then I never understood why everybody thought he was so great. <laughs> I think I do like P.D. Eastman, at the that kind of wrote under that. Dr. Oh yeah, Seuss. Um, yeah. I like his books because I tend to think, oh, that's a Dr. Seuss book, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's written by Eastman. Yeah, like I in mean, the same style or artwork yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um. I mean, I do like Green Eggs and Ham. But it's a really long book to read to children. Oh, yeah. Who are five and under. Yeah. They don't have the attention span for that whole thing. I wonder if they ever did. Like, when he wrote it, you know, it was like, did children sit through this, like, a lot better than today's children? Yeah. Well, and older children, you know, probably Mm -hmm. could, but. What else? I think he goes back to the same example of, you know, he's got all this questionable work and yet we still have dr seuss day and we still herald him as this great big important literary figure yeah and so revelation that he drew a bunch of racist comics did not really alter but do you think that he drew them because like what you were saying somebody asked him to and I think that makes it worse, in my opinion. <laughs> that, that somebody paid him to do it, and, and so he, he did just it. did it. Yeah. Even though he may not have believed in it, whether he did or not. I have right. No idea. Right. I have no idea either. <clears throat> because he's got comics this, and then comics this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I think it makes it, it makes it worse. But I think... I don't know. I, I think if you look at his work chronologically, you can see a difference. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because he thought, oh, if I keep on with these stereotypical things that I like to do, people aren't going to want my books anymore. Or if he really did change mm-hmm. in his outlook and in his understanding. I, I don't know what the difference is, but I do think looking at his work chronologically, you see a difference. Um. I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I, and I guess I we never know. really will know. Like, did he change as a human being? Right, right. And then realize that he was wrong? Yeah, so unlike Hemingway, who we know how he ended, Dr. Seuss lived to be 90-something, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Died a natural death, and so we see the whole of his... Mm-hmm kind of life work so are we going to talk about james fry james fry yeah million little pieces oh my gosh oh gosh i forgot about that that are that write fictional biographies about themselves yeah yeah speaking of fictional biographies yeah Yeah. so i've kind of forgotten about him well this is a this is a guy who wrote a book called A Million A Million Little Pieces. He sold it as a memoir of his own story of having been an alcoholic and a drug abuser and how he went through rehabilitation and a 12-step program and got all better. Um, and then, so he published it in 2003. And in 2005, Oprah named it one of her Oprah Book Club mm-hmm. selections. And then shortly after that is when it came out that these things really did not happen to him, that it was all a made-up story. Um, 
there were a couple of reviews from the time it was published that said this rings false. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think this is you know, this isn't yeah. a good story. This is, you know, for one thing, it's about he he says in, at one point late in the book, um, I took my parents' money and spent it all on drugs, and then I got better. And that's the, this one reviewer said, and that kind of sums up the book. So I don't know what he did with the other 380 pages, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. And, and basically it's this overprivileged kid who has money to buy drugs and alcohol and then uses his parents' money to go through rehab, too. But... Oprah saw something in it, mm-hmm. put it on her book club, and then it came out that that it was all fake, and she was upset. Yeah, I'd be upset. Yeah, she had endorsed him, mm-hmm. and then it turns out it was all fake, and he just made it all up. Yep. And he he said, at some point, I stand by the book as being the essential truth of my life. Mm-hmm. Nah, he just made it up. He just made it up. What a ter- What a jerk! What a jerk! That's yes. the theme of the day. What, what a, a jerk. jerk! That's the title of this this episode. <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk! Oh me. No, that, that probably doesn't cover the gamut of our discussion. No, I think I think that sentiment, the "what a jerk," is just too light. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, and and it's, it's it's just, and we can't say I can't say what I would really say about. Thank such you, Denise. <laughs> Regardless of any disclaimers at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> thank you, Denise. But you know, it's just I don't know. I think it's good. I think it's good that a lot of this stuff has come into light, mm-hmm. and I think it's good that careers are being ruined by it. Because, you know what? You're going to be a bad person. Why should we continue to yeah. to be supportive of that? Yeah. Well, and the other one that that I was thinking of that's kind of similar is The Education of Little Tree. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. By supposedly this person named Forrest Carter. Boy growing up with his Cherokee grandparents and going to school in the Appalachian Mountains and then it turns out that the guy who wrote it changed his name for the for the the publication, and he was really a KKK Grand Dragon and mm-hmm. too racist for George Wallace, and <laughs> just just mm-hmm. ridiculous person. And he wrote it just because he needed a he needed money. Did it work? Oh. Um, yeah, it did. It was some um, twenty. I don't remember how long, 20 years later or so. Oprah got into it again. Um, <laughs> but it was a long time afterward that it came out that he, it was not true. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and the, the part about having Cherokee grandparents, nobody's even quite sure if he did, but if he did, he didn't live with them. He didn't grow up with them. And clearly as a member of the KKK, he wouldn't have, you know, that wouldn't have been an idyllic part of his life. Mm-hmm. So anyway, very interesting. 
Mm-hmm. There, there's some speculation that, you know, later in life he did have this change of attitude about things, but most people think it went back to the money. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make his book not a farce, even if he did have a change mm-hmm. of heart. Right. His book is still a farce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's one thing to write fiction, but when you portray it mm-hmm. as being your life story, right. that's different. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about Mary and Zimmer Bradley. <coughs> I'm going to talk about that. We can. Who is she? What'd she do? Oh, Mary. <coughs> Sorry. Weren't you, weren't you there when we were talking about Mary and Zimmer Bradley? Mm-hmm. That she wrote The Mists of Avalon, and it was turned into a miniseries, and then after... <coughs> I want to say after her death, her daughter came forward and said that her mom had molested her and several other children, along with the, I don't know if it was father or stepfather. Mm. I was not in that conversation. (laughs) No. I thought you were. Yeah. Did you block it out? Were you like, this is is a scared out for a second. (laughs) Blocking that out. Or maybe I had to leave the room. I don't know. Because <laughs> she, um, yeah. So she wrote The Mists of Avalon, and I think, was it a series? The Mists of Avalon? Mm-hmm. Like a, it was just the standalone. No, it's just, just the one movie. standalone. standalone. Um, movie or miniseries? Arthurian series? Legend. Well, it was a, a book that was then turned into a miniseries with TNT. Um, had some pretty big names in it. Um and then after she after she died, mm-hmm. uh, the daughter did an interview with someone. I want to say it was like for an online magazine or a blog or something like that. Um, and she was email corresponding with them, and she told them all about this horrible history with her mom, where her mom sexually abused her mm-hmm. and several other girls. Wow. And she had helped send the, I want to say it was the stepfather, but it could have been her father, to prison because he was molesting little boys. Wow. And so he was molesting little boys and she was molesting little girls, including her daughter. Wow. And so he was sent away to prison and she stated that, you know, she helped send him away to prison for like 10 or something boys um but that her mother was much much worse wow and she's harold does like one of the like is she science fiction fantasy science fiction fantasy very much a feminist Mm -hmm. writer um she's one of the i didn't even know this before she was one of the founders of the society for creative anachronism Mm -hmm. i did not know that Mm. before but Several <coughs> science fiction and fantasy writers, you know, cited her as one of her one of their main influences and mm-hmm. so forth. And so when the news came out, it was fairly devastating to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, one of the quotes I saw um, from her daughter mm-hmm. was she she had said in in various places that she was abused by her mother from the time she was two or three. Until mm-hmm. she was twelve, mm-hmm. but she said, "I didn't speak out for the longest time because I knew that there were people for whom my mother and her writing 
were life changing, mm-hmm. like you said mm-hmm. about Joyce Carol Oates, were life changing for them in their attitudes about themselves, about women, about you know all yeah. this. And so I didn't want to destroy that for them. But she got finally got to a point, and part of it was when her father. She was one of the people who told on her father mm-hmm. because they, you know, kind of knew about things that were going on there, and and then it turns out that that Marion knew about this all going on oh, too yeah. with the boys, and but yeah, to be able, you know, to know that people have this particular opinion about someone, and and it has it has in so many ways, improved their lives, improved their outlook on lives, given them mm-hmm. options for their, you know, for their choices, given them, you know, support and mm-hmm. all this. And to, to have to say, oh, by the way, this person's a real horrible person. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I'm sure she helped pave the way for a lot of female science fiction fantasy yeah, writers absolutely when that she was, was very yeah, much she was a, one of the early early ones yeah it was very much a male mm-hmm. genre right right she's probably one of the most despicable people mm-hmm. because i can't think of anything that i would consider to be worse of a crime than that right and so right yeah and then that article, what's interesting is some of those folks, they said that they went back and reread her work, you know, after finding that out to see yeah. if it changed some of their perceptions of things. And it did. And it did, especially some of the parts where, you know, that we mm-hmm. talked about where um, the the ritual or whatever, right. where it was Arthur and and his sister. Right, and, right. And all of a sudden it felt oh really gosh. skeevy, like... Uh-huh. Like, there was actually some undertones there. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, so she finds out, and then she's just like, eh, eh, so is my brother, eh. When I think any normal person would be thrown up in the corner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow. Some things are clicking. (laughs) Yeah, I wrote my master's thesis on the mists of Avalon as, you know, this feminist Mm -hmm take on the Arthurian legend mm-hmm. and wow wow yep but some of those also some of those authors that that wrote in her world because some of them actually got their start writing in her science fiction uh-huh. world that she created and right. they agreed to you know any any I guess royalties or sales or whatever from that they're donating to like abuse charities mm-hmm. and things so mm-hmm they're like, you know, we're not going to profit from this anymore. We're gonna right. Mm-hmm. Make sure it helps somebody or whatever. So. Send it off to rain. Yeah. I don't think we came up with any conclusions here. I don't think we were going there to. There are no conclusions. Yeah. People are awful. <laughs> Do what you think feels right. And these are, well, the, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. When it, say that. When it comes to whether you're going to continue to read or not read. Okay, okay. okay. I not, you, yeah. not that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, just just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> like, why can they not do what? that? Uh, what? You got I, something else? No, I don't. I don't want to say it because it'll be a. It's like a whole nother discussion. Like okay. it, we could just keep it's going. A, here, so. What is it that you're gonna say? Well, I just don't want to know. Well, I was just gonna say like these are these are just the things that we're aware of. Oh yeah, right. you know. I mean, who yeah. knows? Our fa- you know our favorite authors might one day turn out to be mm-hmm. horrible people. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we don't know about it right now. Nobody knows. That's right. But yeah. looking at your musicians, yeah, they're not necessarily good. Oh no! I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> From the it, things I've heard, well, and, no, no and some of them of, are not. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of what we're kind of getting there. Like it's it's a personal choice. You can't unknow these things once you know them. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and and that's that's the thing, it, you know. Just as we're sitting here talking, it, it, and we've said multiple times. Once you know, you go back and read. Mm-hmm. It's a whole new filter on what you thought you already read. You know what mm-hmm. you thought you already knew about this work, and it, even if it's not as blatant as the Mist of Avalon, mm-hmm. but really thinking about that. Doesn't mm-hmm. that happen with everything? Well, sure it does. Because Absolutely. your education changes. I mean, your, your whole age, your yeah. age yeah. experience Every time everything. you read a book, again, yeah. it's, it's a different experience because you come at it with whatever you have, you know, your new perspectives, mm-hmm. whatever. And, and that's what I would say about the, the Bill Cosby books. Mm-hmm. I could never, even if I didn't have to explain to anybody who this person was who mm-hmm. wrote this book, I could never, with a straight face, read even one of the little Bill books mm-hmm. to a kid. Yeah. Because my my brain would be just going like crazy. Mm-hmm. There would be smoke coming out of my ears trying to, to put those two things together between who this man really is and these things that he says about being a good kid or being a, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And... Just couldn't do it. Yeah. So what about, have you read anything like that that you already knew going into it, what kind of person it was that wrote it? Cause the I'll, Education of Little Tree was one okay, where right. I already knew about, about who he Carter. was. Because yeah. Yeah. Like when, I, when I read Hemingway for the first time, I already knew he had issues. Uh-huh. You know, I didn't go into it thinking like, oh, he's this, you know, right. this like literary saint or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I already knew. So I'm like, okay, I just went into it with that mindset. And You does, knew that he had what issues? Well, I knew he was suicidal. Uh-huh. And he had some other strange... Other <laughs> 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 strange... Okay. Like so, I don't know. So knowing a little bit more about what those issues were, do you think when you read The Old Man in the Sea that that's going to to make you look a little closer at his text and be like, oh, there's the anti-Semitism or oh, there's Probably. the misogyny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, can, you can't miss the misogyny. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. It's, it's, it's real there, yeah. There. Yeah, probably. Mm. If I ever get around to reading it. I don't know. Maybe I never will. But maybe I don't, I'm not that worried about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and I do not even feel even close to bad about saying this, but if it makes you think a little bit more when you you read it, then I'm happy. Your job here is done. My job is done. (laughs) That's cool. Stamped. (laughs) And I think it just really makes you think uh, anytime you read a book, Maybe we need to figure out who the author is before we, mm-hmm. and and we can't yeah. always right know right. what kind of history is mm-hmm. is out there. Well, and we don't always know the whole story. True, but yeah, it makes can, you want to make an effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the information's out there so much 
easier now right. than it ever has been before. Right. All right. Well, good episode, y'all. Yeah. yeah I think. I- well, thanks for listening. Join us again for another episode of the Long Overdue Podcast. We promise it will not be as uh, controversial, problematic, as problematic <laughs> <laughs> as this one. Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye.